0: LA Metro Magazine podcast is here to bring you the entertaining, informative, and inspiring stories of the people who live, work, and play in the greater Lewiston-Auburn, Maine area. I'm your host, Colby Michaud. Today we sit down with Kate Vickery, the president and CEO of Make-A-Wish Maine. We talk about her background and how she got to Make-A-Wish, what it's like to lead a mission-driven organization, and how community support is so important to making wishes come true. This is LA Metro Magazine Podcast Episode 7. Hi Kate.
1: <laughs> Hi Colby. Good Welcome to,
0: to LA Metro Magazine Podcast. Well,
1: thank you. Good Thanks to see for you as well.
0: Me. Um I know you as the president and CEO of Make-A-Wish Maine.
1: Correct. I've been with Make-A-Wish Maine since 2005, but I've only been in the CEO role for about three years. I spent the majority of my time prior to that, about 10 years as the program director. And so what that um, entailed mostly was coordinating all of the wishes that we granted throughout the state of Maine. This is the fun stuff.
0: Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, and I've been you know, involved with um, a few projects for Make a Wish in the year yeah. over the years, and they've been, they've all been wonderful and uh, so inspirational too. Yeah. yeah. But uh, before we get, before we dive into Make a Wish, can we step back in time and give us just a brief background where you grew up and sure what. Eventually led you to my convoluted a yeah. path. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, so um, I grew up in Brunswick. Um, my family's still there, and um, loved it. Don't think that I really appreciated what a wonderful community Brunswick is until I went away and came back, and or go back and visit my family there now. And just a great community. We are um, fortunate to live right uh, across from the Bowdoin College campus. And when I was growing up, the Naval Air Station was there, and so just um, a really kind of fun place to to grow up and experience community at its at its core, um, and then I went on to attend University of Maine, and um, I got a degree in political science, which, as my parents will say, you're going to do what with that <laughs> after? And um, so I really I think. didn't really have a plan other than to go to Washington, D.C. and change the world like all of us do when we're in college and think that that's that's still the the way to go. So I ended up taking, I had finished all my classes and I randomly, I was a huge sports fan, always have been, still am, and I found out an opportunity to be an intern for the public relations department for the athletic department um, at UMaine. And so I was like, yeah, sign me up. This sounds great. And this was my last year at UMaine. And so um – I did that and didn't realize that there was that whole aspect to marketing the athletic department at the university and everything that that entailed. Um, and I really sort of latched onto the creative aspects of it in terms of design, graphic design, web, at the, t- at the time, there wasn't much web design, but um, just starting to go down that road. So it sort of led me into that field. I had also done an internship for the, um, with one of our senators Um and really also got to have a taste of what politics was like and figured out that it wasn't quite for me at the time. So um, I was interested to sort of explore other opportunities. So this um, sports information, it was called at the time internship, eventually led me to upon graduation, um, then going to Bucknell University for an internship in sports information, athletic communications. So I moved down to Pennsylvania, to central Pennsylvania, um, for a couple years and did that and had an amazing time, worked with wonderful people, um, got a little bit more experience with the marketing side of things, um, and then decided to come back home to Maine. And so when I came back home, I ended up uh, really getting into the web design um, aspect of it and took a a couple classes here, did some freelance work for a while, um, and then ended up working for United Way of Greater Portland in a marketing position. And that was my first sort of um, foray into the nonprofit sector. So I spent a little, about a year, two years at United Way, um, and eventually a former co-worker there uh, told me about a position at Make-A-Wish. At the time, I didn't know that there was a Make-A-Wish in Maine. Um, I think I had done a 5K fundraiser that was benefiting Make-A-Wish, but didn't really realize that it was a local chapter and, and um, all of what they were doing here. So looked into that position, and that was for a volunteer manager position, and ended up landing there in 2005.
0: So you started as a volunteer for Make-A-Wish?
1: No, I started as a volunteer manager. So I was coordinating okay. all of the volunteers throughout the state, training all of that. Okay. Then moved into that program director role, was there for a little over 10 years, and then now transitioned to the CEO role.
0: And so you said you didn't know there was a Make-A-Wish chapter here in maine at the time
1: i didn't back then so that was 2000 early 2000 and um i certainly had heard of the organization knew what they did um but didn't realize how how local it was and that there was a chapter operating right here in maine
0: was there was there a big surprise that you learned when you started working for make a wish
1: um oh gosh i mean i think so much of it and so much of how uh a small nonprofit that's part of a larger brand and a larger, um, national network operates. And, um, I think, so coming from United way, that's a large, much larger, um, nonprofit. So that was interesting just to see the shift there. Um, but I didn't realize, um, how, how wide the reach of make a wish was and how, um, you know, sort of what the model was in terms of having a very small staff and then an, a great network of volunteers who helped carry out the mission statewide. Um, and then how often they were impacting children and families here in Maine um, on a regular basis. So, um, and you can't help but fall in love with the mission as soon as you start to hear some of the stories or meet the kids and families firsthand. So it wasn't, it was by no means a hard sell. <laughs> and okay. I was pleased to have landed there and obviously, um, you know, still here.
0: For those that may not know exactly what Make-A-Wish does, could you explain what is the mission?
1: Yeah. So our mission is to grant life-changing wishes to children with critical illnesses. Um, And so really, we're working with children who are at a life-threatening place of their diagnosis or at the time that they're referred to the organization. Um, And it's our goal um, to come into their lives at that time and to bring hope and strength and joy, not only to the child themselves, but to their siblings, to their parents, to the family and the community that's surrounding them at the same time. Um, And we do that through the very simple act of granting a wish. But what I like for people to understand is that it's not just about the wish itself. There's really a whole journey that goes along with it and I think that's so important because that whole journey is what takes these kids outside of Uh, what they're currently experiencing and going through with their illness. So it's not just the single moment in time that the wish is granted, it's everything else that they experience from the moment they start to dream about what their wish might be to everything that happens up until the wish and then even after that. You know, one of my favorite things now because I've been with the organization for so long and I know so many families is to catch up with families now and see um, how it still resonates with them and what the impact still is, is, which is pretty amazing to see.
0: Oh yeah, and you, you just said the simple act of granting a wish, though I, I can imagine you would agree that the wish is a complicated task. Certainly for can you be. guys. <laughs> yes, it um, can. And can you talk a little bit about some of the the huge range of different wishes that kids come up with?
1: Yeah. It's so all over the place. And I think that's one of the misconceptions I think about Make-A-Wish is that we're really, that we're just sending kids on trips here and there. And certainly that's a large portion of what we do under normal circumstances. And it's about 70% of the wishes are travel-based wishes, but we will really work to grant the heart of whatever a child's wish is. So we clearly have some policies and some things that, um, you know, prevent us and from doing certain things, but but really what we're trying to do is get to the heart of what that child's asking for and then how can we say yes and how can we grant whatever that is. So we've done everything from, uh, you know, simple wishes to have a path in their backyard so they can go visit their dad who's working in the barn, um, to a wish for a, a more accessible bedroom for a child who has special needs, to shopping sprees, to... Um, play sets and then to themed play sets which you're familiar with which might be a little bit more complicated than just a swing set and then but that's what is meaningful to that child at that time and that's what we're really after is that that real focus on that child and what's going to delight them and bring them the most joy and provide them with that feeling that they don't have to think or care about anything else than themselves in that moment and their family in that moment and what's happening for them to celebrate them. Because so many of these kids have had their childhood sort of robbed from them in one way or another by having to battle these illnesses um, that we want to just give them a little bit of that childhood back each time. Yeah. So, and then we can go on with the, the complicated wishes of, <laughs> of travel to foreign countries and um, you know, cons- other types of construction. And I have that one of the things that I loved about um, when I was the program director and coordinating the wishes was everything that I got to learn just through coordinating the wishes of the kids. So, you know, never knew anything about ATVs or dirt bikes or, or didn't know how to contact the Supreme Council of the Antiquities in Egypt so that a kiddo could go on an archaeological dig over there um, to putting together you know, play sets and doing construction-based wishes and tree houses and everything that goes into that. So it's just, a, you know, it's a blessing for all of us that have the opportunity to be a part of these wishes, as you know, and and we all, you know, get just as much out of them and, and from learning about them and from interacting as the kids and the families do as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I've, uh, I have had the pleasure of being involved from a filmmaker's perspective over the last five years or so. And um, it is kind of astounding that Make-A-Wish always seems to come through and, and actually make that happen, no matter what it is.
1: Yeah, and I think we're just—we're very fortunate that our brand— um not only represents what we want it to, which is representing that hope, strength, and joy through the granting of a wish for a child, but resonates with people in such a positive way that their answer is yes for the most part. When we pick up the phone and we call and we ask for somebody to get involved in um, in one way or another, it's usually a yes, and that's such a what a lucky thing for us, right? And um, one of the favorite my favorite things about Make a Wish is how it enables the community to rally around the child and their family because I think when kids become sick everybody knows that a child shouldn't have to go through a life-threatening illness and everybody feels that way and and when they learn of a child that that becomes ill especially if it's somebody that they're that maybe it's a son or daughter of a coworker or a grandchild or something like that and they want to do something to help but they don't know what to do they don't really even feel comfortable or know how to step into that sphere and so make a wish is a really positive way for people to try and do something to help. Um, and, and in turn, there's such a positive benefit to the person who's helping at the same time. So I think we're very lucky in the mission and the very um, pure aspect of how it engages others to simply help and do something um, nice, just grant a wish, right? I mean, it's just at its core, a beautiful thing.
0: Yeah, and you talked about play sets and trips and so many things, um, but what about the intangible element of hope that is granted to all these kids and how is hope so important to to children
1: yeah i think i mean it's everything
0: and and their families too
1: and and, their families too yeah it's um i've heard our national ceo um said we're in the business of hope and Mm. it's so true i think it's such a you know it's a great way to sort of formulate what what it is that we're here for and what we do at make a wish and I think everybody, especially right now, and everything that we're going through in this country, that hope has sort of taken a different, um, not necessarily different meaning, but maybe a different place in your sort of um, thought process about everything where hope becomes um, something that everybody needs to focus on at some point. And so for these kids um, and their families, when they are going through the worst of the worst, that oftentimes they've also taken away sort of their, um, their control, if you will. And, you know, it depends on the age of the child, obviously, but so, you know, they have everything is out of their control. They're just going on doctor visits and surgeries and treatment and all of that. And so when we come in and say, what is it that you wish for? What is it that you want or where do you want to go? What do you want to be? What, what would you like to have? And re, you know, kind of takes that, um, and gives them the control back and then also gives them something to look forward to. So they then either if it's a the wish is going to happen at the end of treatment or the wish is going to happen within a couple of weeks, they're, they're focused on something so much more positive and they're focused on the, the possibility of, of that positive um, thing happening for them and coming true that that hope then drives them. You know, I've worked with families where Kids, teenagers especially, because it's such a hard thing to go through as a teenager. It's like life is hard enough as it is as a teenager nowadays. But then to have a diagnosis, interrupt that. Um, so we've had teenagers who have been in a, in a bad place, you know, and battling depression as well as the rest of their illness. And um, we've come in and discovered what their wish was. And um, they decide to go to, um, on a trip with their family. And one of the things they want to do is to go um, zip lining. But in order to do that, they have to gain some strength back. And so a child who was previously not complying with therapy, physical therapy, occupational therapy, all of a sudden for the first time is back in therapy and is more engaged because they want Mm -hmm. the end result of being able to go on that trip and participate in everything that they want to do with their family. So. I mean, that is such a residual impact of what we're able to do that's so important for these kids that I think probably is not surface level when you look at Make-A-Wish, but to understand that that can very much be a reality as a result of the wish-granting process.
0: Yeah, and can you talk a little bit about the community impact? And, and uh, we were talking a little bit before about how community is so important to Make-A-Wish and helping to get awareness and funds and how... How have you seen over the, you know, 15 years you've been involved, communities come together to help grant wishes?
1: Yeah, in so many huge ways. Um, It's a, I could go on and on about that. Uh, It's the, you know the very heart of what we do at Make-A-Wish exists because of our volunteers throughout the state, and they're part of that community, and because of the generosity of of our donors that make it happen, Um, and that's the community as well. So I think there's just so many aspects to to that, and I'm continued to be grateful and amazed by how generous the communities throughout this state are and how much they rally around folks in need, no matter what it is, whether it's make a wish or other organizations that are dealing with critical need as well. But I think it's, um, you know, we're, we're so grateful and inspired by people who choose to either just give a donation or to put on an event to raise funds for make a wish or to support specific wishes because they have some kind of um you know a tie or a connection to that child it's it's um it's pretty impressive and i think you know anytime that we can um Involve the community with a wish or expose them to a wish whether it's just through telling stories um, Through your amazing work that you've done and um, with the videos you produce for us and and engaging folks in that way so that they really see firsthand how impactful it is for the child and um, That's something that we always want to be able to do so that so people understand that it is about more than just that one moment in time that, um, it really, I mean, you know, cause you've seen it, you've been there. Um, but there's nothing better than, than the joy and the, the smile on a child's face that you see. And, and again, not just the child, but look around to everybody else that's there are involved. Um, and what the, the feeling that is, um, just, you know, present with everybody is, it's a pretty special thing.
0: Definitely. Actually, it, it's making me think back to when we we had the opportunity to film *Sonic Spider Boy's Wish* yes. in Portland or Falmouth in Portland.
1: Yes, that and was a complicated but fun. One. <laughs> it was very compl-
0: logistically. It was insane. Um, I, I still don't know how you guys put that together, but
1: through community, yeah, it's community a great and volunteers and community, yeah,
0: and um, great organizations within the within the community to to want to help. But um, we were honored because we got to premiere that film at um the
1: our fantasy auction fantasy auction yes
0: yeah and um that night was is very special to me it's to see that many people giving so much to such a a amazing organization it's still one of the one of the best nights i've ever had Um,
1: Yeah, yeah and i think that that night so that fantasy auction is a an annual, an event that happens every other year for us up in um, the Midcoast area at the Samoset Resort. And and our chapter was originally founded up in Camden Mm -hmm. um, by Wayne and Caroline Morong and and some other folks who came together after hearing a story on the Today Show about other Make-A-Wish chapters existing across the country and saying, well, we want to make sure that that's available to our kids here in Maine too. And so they founded the chapter and Um, Camden and and we have a a wonderful base of support up there and so every other year we're back there for that fundraising event and there's a huge outpouring of support to help us continue the the mission and sustain the chapter and um, you know again being able to share with them the story and and so for those who are listening the Sonic Spider Boy wish was a wish to be a superhero Um, and we ended up putting together um, an entire day's worth of events for our Superhero Sonic Spider Boy to um, eventually save save Slugger, the Sea Dog, who was kidnapped um, and was preventing the Sea um, Dogs baseball game at Hadlock from going on that day until we could rescue Slugger. And um, an incredible amount of support through the Sea Dogs, who are wonderful partners to us, but um, over a dozen different law enforcement departments. Um, Amtrak, our friends over there, just so many different pieces throughout the day where, where people were part of the wish and um, created an unforgettable experience for Sawyer. So that day in and of itself is a great example of how community supports our mission and then being able to share the story and to do so at that auction that you were at, um, which just really resonated with people there. And then we were able to reunite um, that night uh sonic spider boy and slugger together which is always fun too
0: oh that was so cool (laughs) and he was uh, he was presented with the key to the city from um
1: he was yes of of course because like any good hero who saves the day exactly uh the next day there was a press conference and there was a a presentation of the key to the city so yeah which he says to this day he's still trying to figure out what it unlocks
0: (laughs) (laughs) the mystery Mm -hmm. continues
1: Are your kids picky eaters? Do you struggle to get them to eat enough fruits and vegetables? Hi, I'm Nicole, Association Director of Health, Wellness and Fitness from the YMCA of Auburn-Lewiston, here with some tips to help your family make strides toward eating healthier together. Make eating new foods fun. Let your kids pick out some new fruits or veggies to try. Make it a family affair. Include
0: everyone by picking out a new healthy recipe to make together each week. Plan and prep.
1: Take time over the weekend to meal plan and prep as a family so you know you have healthy options on hand. Set the example. Kids model what they see. Help them develop lifelong healthy habits. For more health and wellness tips and to learn more about the YMCA of Auburn-Lewiston, visit us online at alymca.org or stop by and see us.
0: Because you've been involved with so many wishes over the years, can you pinpoint any in particular that really stand out for you personally?
1: You know, it's so funny. So uh, a lot of people ask me that question. <laughs> and I think there's, um, you know, every wish is unique because every wish is it's, it's each child's own wish. And so um, I have so many wonderful memories of lots of wishes and different kinds. There certainly is, um, there are a few who I think that for whatever reason stick out in my mind. Um, one of which is, Uh, a wish that we did for a young man. He was a teenager um, and he wished to put lights and bleachers on his high school's football field so it was what we call a give back wish. Um, and you know, from, and he he was in a very uh, precarious situation medically when we first met him. And so I, as, um, usually it's our volunteers who go out and meet with the kids and do the wish discovery and get to know the families. Um, and in this case, I happened to be one of the people who went to visit with him for the first time. So I got to know him right away and was immediately just taken with the selflessness of what he wanted to do. Um, And how he wanted to give back to his community. So, and again, sports fan. So, (laughs) the thought of, like, that resulting in Friday Night Lights games for kids in this community, um, this is at Miranda Cook um, High School, was just an added level of cool (laughs) (laughs) to the process. So, um, we, I immediately went back and started some research and started to make some phone calls and quickly realized what a massive project that is and um, how expensive it is and Um, So we were faced as an organization sort of looking at how how would we grant this wish for this child and how can we then, you know, sustain to be able to grant wishes for every other child after that. So we are sort of always balancing that in terms of, um, you know, what it costs to grant a wish and all of those things. So um, what I think I was most proud of in that moment was as an organization, we didn't we didn't go back and just say, no, we, we said, again, find a way to yes. So while we can't necessarily fund every bit of this project for you, here's what we would like to do to try and, and help your dream come true um, and grant your wish. And so um, we ended up working with a local boosters club there and, We provided the seed money um, and brought in bleachers for a day for one of their first home games of this season and started a campaign in partnership with them um, to eventually fund the lights and the bleachers for the football field and also um, brought in the media and gave some exposure to what Ricky's story was and what his wish was. And so it just started to snowball because, again, people were, like me, taken aback by his selflessness and that he wanted to use that for his wish. And so we... You know, got through that first day, and then the the Boosters Club started to put on events of their own to fundraise. After that, they were able to contact a company that came in with lights um, and donated them. They had people from the community that came. They had CMP involved to do the install, and it just took off. And so I had met Ricky in September, um, and. In the following January, I think it was, um, there was a ceremony to flip the switch for the lights on the field for the very first time, and Ricky um, was able to be there for that and to see that the field was lit um, and know that what he had wished for was coming true. Um, And really, because of his community, you know, we sort of gave that initial gift to get it started. And then the, the, the community took it from there and the ball started rolling. So I think, um, it's such a wonderful example of that. Um, I'm pleased that we were a part of that journey. He ended up passing the following April. Um, but there's a bell that still to this day is at the field that players ring as they go down to the field in his honor. Um, it's just such a great legacy.
0: That's amazing story. Another community that has, has really stepped up is the Lewis and Auburn community. Yes, um, in particular the summer block party that is hosted by Uncle Andy's Digest that takes place in Auburn. Um, this year it's a little different because
1: everything's a little different this <laughs> year. Everything's a little different this year. <laughs> um,
0: it's um it's not going to be as big of an event, but there will be it will be live streamed. It'll be a virtual event as well. So for the first time ever, there's they're selling tickets to this event Mm -hmm. so they can you know cap it Mm -hmm. but the summer block party has been a huge success for make-a-wish maine but also for the people within lucid auburn and and the, the kids there what what has been your experience and your perspective on that
1: Yeah, I think we've just been incredibly grateful and and amazed by the growth of the event. And I know in talking with Jim Marson, when he tells a story of how they were just looking to do something to celebrate the anniversary of um, the publication, I think, at first. And they were like, let's have a block party. It'll be fun and we'll make it, um, you know, a fundraiser for a great cause. And and then to see how it's just, um, you know... Evolved over the years and gotten larger and larger and more interest and become really a true community event that people look forward to every year, um, and that so many people in that area have wrapped their arms around. The Make-A-Wish mission um, has been really just just so fun to watch, and and again, we're just truly grateful for all the work that goes into it behind the scenes. But um, you know, I know. They work with so many sponsors of the event, and Max Grill plays a huge part in it, and everything that happens leading up to it, which is so much work with the committee that puts it on. Um, And then it's just one day of of great fun, right? It's music, and it's get-together with your families, and there's things for the kids, and and that is, again— a community event that represents the community that surrounds the mission um so it just dovetails so nicely with what we do and i think that they should all you know that whole group should be so proud of what they've put together and and it's resulted in hundreds of thousands of dollars for make-a-wish and and plenty of wishes granted for kids right there i know that that's really important to to um the event organizers that it's you know it's impacting kids that are literally their neighbors that are um, right in their backyard and and that's it's having that hyper local impact for them as well
0: and i and that's how i've been able to be involved yeah uh, was was through um the summer block party and having jimbo ask me directly to
1: to help sponsor that and yeah the ripple effect is amazing and and you know There's plenty of relationships that have been formed as a result of it as well. And, and other people who've been brought into the mission and learn more about Make-A-Wish. And again, I think it's once, once you get in and once you kind of see it firsthand and you experience it, like, you know, it's, you get hooked and it's, um, and you're hooked by that hope. You're hooked by the, the positive aspect of it and, and the very pure, simple, um, sort of basic mission at its core. I mean, the mission The organization was founded in such a grassroots way. That's why grassroots events like the Block Party make so much sense to support Make-A-Wish. And I love that that's how things start and that's how things grow with Make-A-Wish because it's so in line with how the organization was formed. It was just a group of people 40 years ago in Arizona who wanted to help a little boy become a state trooper for the day because that's what he wanted more than anything. And he had leukemia. Um, And that's literally how the organization was formed and the next day they got together at their kitchen table and received $42 from a grocery clerk in the store down the road and started Make-A-Wish. So anything that oh, so that cool. is, you know, follows that sort of roadmap, if you will, by just people, good people getting together, wanting to do something good yeah. that grows and expands um, the way that this has. It's wonderful.
0: Yeah. And I think that really speaks to the the power of the wish because 40 years isn't that long of a time. No, it's a
1: very young how, organization, actually. Yeah, to yes. see how
0: widespread it is now and how much impact it's making. It's incredible.
1: Yeah, and it, I mean, across the globe, too. So, you know, our chapter is, is here. We cover the entire state of Maine, um, but we're one of 60 chapters in the U.S., and then there's an additional more than 30 international affiliates carrying out the Make-A-Wish mission across the globe, which is wow. Pretty cool. Again, to just stem from that, you know, one initial group of people getting together to do something good for somebody who really needed it.
0: Yeah, and speaking about art your chapter, Maine, does does the state of Maine present any unique challenges to you guys because it's such a large state geographically?
1: Yeah. So I think that. Um, you know, our goal is to make sure that we're reaching every child that would be eligible to receive a wish in Maine and that there's that, that we are able to grant a wish for every eligible child. Um, and so there's always that concern with with the message, not getting to sort of more rural parts of the state. Um, I, we have great relationships with the, um, two major hospitals in Bangor and Portland, um, in terms of, Uh, referral sources. So all of the kids who qualify are usually referred. They don't have to be, they can be referred by themselves, by their family, but most oftentimes from a medical professional. Um, And so we want to make sure that we're reaching all the medical professionals throughout the state as well, so that we're, you know, talking to pediatrician offices all the way up in Aroostook County down to York County and, um, that we still maintain the relationships with the, the larger hospital and treatment facilities in the state as well. So I think that from a, um, A standpoint of making sure that we're reaching kids throughout the state geographically that can be a little challenging and then also recruiting volunteers to help us in those areas as well. So making sure we have trained volunteers who are available to work with a kiddo in Washington County if we receive a referral there or in, um, you know, Franklin County. So it's just a matter of making sure that our message is shared statewide and um, that everybody's aware of the work we're doing here.
0: So if someone that's listening to this wants to get involved or wants to help in some way, that could be volunteerism or it could be here's here's some money. Uh what's the best way to, to, yes, go about doing to that? Yes, the answer to the money is yes. <laughs> As always. <laughs>
1: always yes. Um so I, there's the probably the best thing to do is go to our website, which is main.wish.org. Um and there's a ways to help section there which will um give you all kinds of ideas, whether it's wanting to volunteer, find out about our volunteer opportunities, learn more about what they are, um, whether it's wanting to create a fundraiser, um, host an event yourself, or to attend a fundraiser that we're putting on, or that one of the local community groups is, such as the block party, um, or even something like donating your air miles. You know, that's something that's unique to Make-A-Wish in terms of how you can support our mission. um, And, Right now, because of um, COVID and the pandemic where most of our travel wishes are currently postponed, um, it doesn't mean that we aren't going to grant them again someday. And so if you have airline miles that you're not using because you're not traveling right now either that are going to expire at the end of the year, you can donate them to Make-A-Wish and they will never expire for us. So it's a unique oh, way to give and it definitely supports, and, you know, um, and everything that we receive for air miles kinds of, it just kinds of combines and th- makes a bigger impact for us. So that's all on the website as well. I'd say, um, checking us out on Facebook is a great way to keep, um, keep informed on the organization and everything we're doing. We're constantly sharing our wish stories on Facebook. So it's probably the most inspiring way or Instagram, any of our social pages, um, cause you'll get to get your sort of daily, weekly dose of inspiration from our wish stories right. as they're granted. Um, but that's a great way to, to keep involved as well.
0: And, uh, get your ticket to, to the, block the summer party. block party. Yes. October 3rd this or year. Or tune in
1: virtually. Yes. Or tune
0: in virtually. Yes. Yeah. Um, Speaking of your website, yes, I noticed earlier that your wish is to go to the Olympics, either summer or winter. Either or. My question is, as an athlete, or. As a spectator.
1: You know, it's so funny. I think when I said that, I never, never thought of it that way. And you're not the first person that's asked me that. But um, either or. I think probably in my younger years, Colby, I would have said as an athlete, of course. And um, what, what
0: sport would you be competing?
1: Oh, anything. I would have done anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, I probably... Um, I played field hockey. That was probably my best sport. But I then later on became a runner and actually was inspired to become a runner or to to start running in um, longer distances watching, um, well, Joan Benoit Samuelson, who obviously is our our claim to fame here um, in Maine, but also just watching the women's marathon and – just thinking how amazing that was. So that that was impactful for me and inspiring for me. And I just think that the Olympics, um, I probably would want to go as a fan because it probably is much less pressure and you can oh just yeah. have fun, right? I think that um, it's such a great, um, it's just such a great example of people coming together because they share a common interest and love of competition and whatever the sport is. And um, it just shows the, commonality that we have across the globe too. Um, I just, it's, I love it. I totally geek out over the Olympics when they come on. I make sure that if there's ever a time zone based on the location that people don't spoil it for me (laughs) because I will go back and watch the primetime broadcast and all that. But yeah, I'm a huge, I'm a huge Olympics fan. So I'm sad that it's not happening this year. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, along with, Many other things that aren't happening. Yeah. 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 I mean,
1: yeah, it's tough for everybody. Yeah. We're certainly. Um,
0: I think the name of the game now is adaptation.
1: Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. Pivot. Is that the word? Pivot. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We've um, you know not escaped that like any other organization now, and I think um, what I've found challenging for us as an organization is that it has hit us on both sides of the organization. So it would be one thing if we were just facing, um, an economic recession that was making fundraising difficult, but, um, in addition to facing those challenges, we're also challenged on the mission delivery side of things because 70% of our wishes normally involve travel. Um, You know, kids want to go to Walt Disney World and kids want to go to other places in the United States. And oftentimes we have lots of kids who want to travel internationally. And so as a result of the pandemic, we've had to make the difficult decision in conjunction in, in conversation with our medical advisory council at the national office to postpone travel wishes for the time being. Um, and we're not sure when it will be safe for them to resume again. Um, and so, so frustrating for kids, you know, especially, you know, it's one thing for travel to sort of pick up and get back to quote unquote normal, but for our kids, it's even more, Uh, daunting because they are among the most uh, vulnerable and a compromised population when it comes to being at risk for contracting um, the virus. So, you know, we're extra cautious as are the families and um, have been working with all of the families that we have um, in our uh, pipeline, if you will, right now and allow those kids to reimagine their wish if they would like um, to think about something else or to um, hold on for a while and and just see how this works out. So that's been challenging for us, and that has changed um, sev- several wishes and changed. Um, you know, for kids who are being referred now, we're also you know we're talking to them about non travel wishes and what that might look like for them. But we've we've always granted non travel wishes. You know, there's still 30% out there that we've granted that yeah. aren't travel wishes, and um, they can be just as impactful, if not more long-term impactful for um, our kids than um, the trip of a lifetime. So, you know, every wish in and of itself has its its own in- impact for each child. And so I think it's just about continuing what it is that makes Make-A-Wish special. And for me, that's the details. That's the small things. That's the making sure that within each wish, we're finding that one thing that this child particularly is interested in, this wish and making sure that it's personal to them. And we can very easily do that with the types of wishes that we're granting right now. So we're still busy. We're still, the mission is still being delivered and we will, pandemic or not.
0: I was going to ask you, are, are you still keeping busy and if not busier than usual?
1: Yeah. So I think.
0: What does your day look like usually?
1: Uh, well, our team is amazing. So we have a staff of seven and. Um, there, you know, we went remote, uh, when the pandemic first hit and, um, we remote pretty much through June until, um, coming back on a staggered, uh, return to the office. But, um, it's been an adjustment for, as it has for everybody, for us to sort of learn how to do that new thing, not only, um, to change sort of how we're conducting wishes. Because even when we're granting wishes nowadays, there's so much more safety protocol that goes into place to making sure that everything that we're doing is still um, you know, safe for the child and for the family and for the folks who are engaged in granting the wish as well, but especially for our kids. And um, so that's added an extra level of complication onto the coordination of the wishes. Um, but also on the fundraising side of things, You know, we've pivoted um, several events to virtual events. Um the auction that you mentioned that was supposed to happen this year has been postponed to next year. Um, so there's, you know, everything looks different. And, um, I think there's some, you know, really positive things that will come out of this for us in terms of like everybody, you know, all of a sudden you realize things can be done in a different way. And, and what do you want to take away from that that you can then build into just, um, continuing the growth of the organization. So I think that we'll find, um, certain things like that. And, um, We've certainly, you know, when we talk about events and fundraising events, maybe virtual doesn't go away. Maybe it's a combination of both in person and virtual in the future, too, which just exposes more people to our mission, which is always a positive thing for us. So so we're learning quite a bit as we go through this. Um, but I think, you know, we're like everybody else anxious for it to be to be over with soon but also to just see how we sort of reemerge and what that looks like for the organization as a whole and um if we're able to bring more people into the mix and have more people exposed to what we do um, and understand makewish in a different way then um there's nothing wrong with that
0: right Yeah, absolutely Since 2015, the annual summer block party presented by Uncle Andy's Digest has raised over $266,000 for Make-A-Wish Maine. That translates to 38 wishes being granted to Maine children battling critical illnesses. This year, on Saturday, October 3rd, we're doing things a little differently. The party will again be hosted outside, next to Max Grill in Auburn, with only 100 in-person tickets being sold. But new for this year, we'll also be streaming the event live, so that means anyone can join in on the celebration and be part of this inspiring community event. To learn more about the Summer Block Party and to purchase tickets, go to LASummerBlockParty.com. You know, even though we're going through uh, a global pandemic, it doesn't mean that, that there aren't kids that s- still need Absolutely. wishes granted. I and there's, that's, yeah. It's, and it's so hard because, you know... There are so many organizations that are needing.
1: Yes, there's funds so and much critical support. need out there, and there's so many organizations that are doing wonderful work, and that, yeah. and everybody wants to support all of them, and and on top of that, support local businesses who have just been, um, you know, deeply impacted by all of this as well, and. Um, so we remain grateful for all of the support that we continued to get, and to um, have the ability to continue to deliver the mission. I think that was so important at the at the outset of this was to be able to um, continue to grant wishes, so that donors who support us, people who work to put on events to support us, that they know that that is still happening, and that the kids are the kids are still receiving wishes. Because as you said, kids are still being diagnosed. So we had. Uh, one month in the last six months, where we still received nine qualified referrals, so that's not stopping, and those these kids deserve a wish just as much as um, kids who were diagnosed three years ago, so you know we have to continue that effort and we have to continue to make sure that we're doing the things that um, will sustain the chapter and our ability to to grant wishes into the future and that may be scaled back for now um but you know, we're very committed to making sure that, um, we're able to continue that.
0: And by the numbers, how many wishes usually granted per year for Make-A-Wish Maine?
1: On average, on a usual year, we're looking upwards of 70 wishes a year. So it's about one every five days, which I think that's a stat that so many people are, that aren't familiar with Make-A-Wish are, mm-hmm. surprised to hear. um, we were on track to grant 78 wishes this year, and we've had three years of year-over-year growth with the number of wishes that we've granted um, recently. So that's, a, that's our normal. Um, right now, we have over 111 kids that we're working with that are in some part of the process, whether that's that they were just referred to us and we're just sort of opening up the dreaming process, if you will, for them. Um, Our volunteers have also um, pivoted. We have such a great group of trained wish granting volunteers and um, they're now doing visits virtually and um, helping kids to consider all the possibilities that a wish entails. And um, so they could be in the process of just um, starting to dream. They could be in the process of being close to a decision. They could have um, made a decision on what their wish is and then are just sort of waiting for us to work the magic behind the scenes.
0: There does seem to be a lot of magic that, that happens. We do enjoy there?
1: magic, yes.
0: <laughs> so as, um, as we wrap up, I have one final question for you.
1: Okay.
0: It seems to be that a lot of mission-driven organizations are led by mission-driven people. Do you think about purpose and, and is there something that gets you out of bed every day, gets you going, gets you excited and motivated to to work and, and do what you do?
1: Yeah, I think it's inspiration more than anything. I think that I just, um, I'm so inspired first and foremost by our kids. They are courageous and strong and fighters. And I can't imagine what it would be like to be in their shoes and to, just keep pushing like so many of them do and the same goes for their families um especially right now to to be dealing with you know we're all challenged right now through with everything that's going on and then to to have to um navigate a child with a critical illness in the midst of that i can imagine that's extremely challenging so i'm inspired by our families first and foremost um I'm inspired by my colleagues across the country and by my team um, here at our chapter who work so hard and and have dedicated their time to making sure that each wish is indeed special as it should be for all of our kids. and And I'm so inspired by the people who support us. I really am. I think I you know we have folks like the crew that does the summer block party and and so many other events for us that, you know, give of their time and, um, give of their, their hearts really to support our kids and to believe in our mission as much as we do and to, um, do whatever it takes to make sure that, that we can continue to grant wishes. So, um, I would say inspiration and gratitude are what, Get me out of bed every morning to do this, but it's not hard because it's a great mission.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and that's funny you say inspiration because it's part of the brand for LA Metro Magazine, yeah. actually. Um, yes, and this podcast is um, specifically, but I would have to throw that back at you and say that you know your hard work and your dedication to this mission is inspiration in itself. So thank you for what you do.
1: Oh, I'm so fortunate. I feel very lucky to have have this as part of my, have this as my job. It seems just silly to say that, but (laughs) very fortunate and just, uh, you know, it's again, it's such a great pure mission that, um, we're honored to serve it. Well, thank you, Kate. Thank you, Colby. This was fun.
0: My many thanks to Kate for talking with us today. It was really inspiring to learn more about what she does for Make-A-Wish and the impact it has on so many families throughout the state. A big shout out to the YMCA of Auburn-Lewiston and Uncle Andy's Digest for sponsoring this episode. We have many more exciting guests ahead in upcoming episodes, so make sure you subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to your other shows. That way you're not missing out on future episodes when they are released. We also want to thank you for listening. You, our audience, are the most important piece of this program. And we know that these recordings are just slices of a bigger ongoing conversation that we want you to be a part of. If you have any thoughts or ideas, please let us know on social media. LA Metro Magazine is on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Connect with us there. Positive vibes and well wishes from all of us at LA Metro Magazine. Until next time, I'm your host, Colby Michaud. Make sure you're being entertained, staying informed, and getting inspired.